This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Michael Swain of Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, and the man... Over there in my peripheral, just right right over there, is Michael Swain of Fog.net. He uh, just flew in from Lexington. Yes, my private helicopter just dropped me off, and I got to give a shout-out to our hair people here. They made me look really good, and Fitz, they clearly worked wonders for you as well. Yeah, all their work's on my back, though. It's kind of weird. You can interact with us on social media at Facebook.com slash The Drive Show, on Twitter at The Drive 13, and, of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of the drive including back hair jokes you can listen to an audio only version that will appear each monday morning in the form of a podcast at gopowercat.com and fog.net and we start things off with our two-minute drill the first segment of the two-minute drill is sponsored by vanderbilt's your work boot center well kansas ended its three-game losing streak by dumping kentucky 77 68 in lexington as part of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. What was the difference for the Jayhawks in this one, and how important was this victory, Michael? Well, let's start with how important it was, and it was crucial. Kansas has not lost four straight games under Bill Self, and you have to go all the way back to 1988-89. For the last time, the Kansas program lost four games in a row. They were going up against history, and I think what the difference was in this game was KU's cohesive effort. In recent games, it's been the Jalen Wilson show. He's been incredible. We'll hit on some of that in a second. But this was a team effort, and you have to play as a team against this Kentucky team because they are so good on the offensive glass. For me, the number that tells the difference in this game is the rebounding. KU out-rebounded Kentucky 35-29. Kentucky only had four offensive rebounds, a season low, while also not scoring a single second chance point. Wow. And that's while taking into consideration that KU center KJ Adams, as Bill Self likes to say, is six foot six. Oscar Shibwe has three inches and 40 pounds on him. And still, KU was stellar on the glass. And then you can go into individual performances. KJ Adams got back to scoring in double digits, something he hasn't done in recent games. You look at someone like Grady Dick, a weird game for him. He had a three-pointer go off the backboard, but down the stretch, he made a huge three when it counts. Same thing for Kevin McCuller. He has not played well as of late. He makes a big three when it counts, and his play doubling the post was crucial on Oscar Sheepway. K2 
KJ Adams versus Oscar Sheboy is a mismatch, and yet KU decided to double, and they created some havoc off of those opportunities. Now we get to Jalen Wilson. Man, the season he is having is incredible, and he's now scored 113 points in the last four games combined. That comes out to about 28.3 points per game, and it's the most points scored by a Kansas player in a four-game stretch since the Big 12 started in 1996. He's playing so well, and you look at the moments that he scored in the second half. Every single time Jalen Wilson scored was after Kentucky had scored the previous point. This is not something where he was scoring easy baskets or meaningless baskets. When KU needed a bucket, Jalen Wilson was there, and he's a big reason why Kansas was able to snap that losing streak. Wilson's a known commodity, Dick is, but they, they had to get some other guys to step up, and they sure did in this game. McCullough was huge. Yeah, he was, and it's going to make an interesting matchup on Tuesday. But let's get to Kansas State because they cruised past Florida in the Big 12 SEC Challenge game. So, Fitz, what was notable about the Wildcats' 64-50 to victory? Well, first of all, we'll start with it wasn't this close. I mean, Todd Golden, the Florida coach, decided to press to the very end of the game, getting a walk-on to turn the ball over. Uh, I don't know that Jerome Tang was real happy about that, but uh, it made Florida feel better because there wasn't much good to feel about. That makes sense after this game. That didn't make no that made no sense at all. But anyhow, Kansas State came out and played really well. They had David Gasson back in the post, which is huge. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the show. But uh, you know, I expected Keontae Johnson to have an absolute feast against his former team, and he really didn't. What's amazing about it is I didn't think Keontae played that well. He kind of was passive in this game, and yet he just finished with a double-double. That's all. That's how good and casual he can be about things. But once again, it was Marquise Noel creating so much with his ability to pass. Marquise Noel came within a whisker of becoming the first player, and this is an amazing stat, the first player ever to have a triple-double in K-State history. Uh, But he came up, uh, what, one rebound and two assists short as Kansas State played a really nice, complete game, uh, and they just kind of held Florida off for this whole game. Uh, I I just looked like Florida wasn't used to being defended this way. They rushed a lot of shots, and the crowd was absolutely amazing in this contest. Um, You know, getting Gasson back is enormous for K-State in so many ways, but it just helps with their depth because really they have about eight guys that want to be playing on a regular basis, nine if they get down to – Tyke Green, who uh, came in and played some pretty good defense. But this K-State team has a casual gear. And what I mean by that is they look like they're not playing that well, but they actually are. And they're just so much better than opponents at times that it's a foreign idea for K-State fans to see a group of guys kind of go out there and take what's a pretty decent SEC team and just mop the floor with them. I think uh, K-State's in pretty good standing now as they get ready to head down the home stretch. But there's kind of a big game Tuesday. Maybe we should talk about that later in the show. I think we should. And here's a prediction for you, Fitz. Marquise Noel will get that triple-double this season. That is my prediction. I, I think like he's it. playing an incredible level. And I think it's going to come when these guys start to play a lot more minutes and therefore a lot more opportunities. Uh, the fact that that little guy got that many rebounds, is just there's so much want-to with him. It's, you know... Hard over height. Well, Michael, the Big 12 went 7-3 and three in its final edition of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. What did these 10 games say about the Big 12? That it's the deepest conference yeah. in college basketball, bar none, and it's not even close. You can look at teams like West Virginia and Oklahoma. Both teams have two wins. 
and then they go and beat the two top teams in the SEC in Alabama and Auburn. And they did it in convincing fashion. I think West Virginia tried to give the game away. They were able to hold on at the end. Same thing with Oklahoma dominating, you know, wire to wire. Now you look at Iowa State losing to Missouri, not a great result. You look at Iowa State being one of the top teams in the Big 12, Missouri, a team that has struggled as of late, but Iowa State was without Caleb Grill, arguably maybe their third best player. So I don't think that's a result maybe you could read too much into, but Fitz, the Big 12 is so competitive and we knew that going into this, but I think a challenge like this just goes to show you that this is a conference that in March is going to go far and is going to have a lot of teams advancing because they play winning basketball. And even if those wins don't translate against other Big 12 teams, you can look at the Ken Palm ratings and the way that these teams are evaluated. And you can say that this conference top to bottom has a lot more talent than some other conferences have just at the top. So overall, super impressed with the Big 12 showing. Yeah, well, first of all, Missouri played exceptionally well. That could be the best team in the SEC if they want to pull it together. The teams that lost in the Big 12 kind of had reasons why they lost. Mm -hmm. I mean, TCU was playing without Lampkin, who's gone for the season, and Mike Miles, who's you know probably their best guard on the floor. So this conference, though, really showed what it's about. I thought the Oklahoma game was defining because Oklahoma clearly was better than Alabama on this day, and it wasn't even close. And this is one of the worst teams in the Big 12, an almost non-competitive team at times in the Big 12, absolutely taking the task, the best team in the SEC and just the second-ranked team. This conference is so good that even the teams that are towards the bottom of the standings are used to having to play at such a high level, perform at such a high level, just to survive night in and night out without getting blown out. And when they step out of conference, they can they can beat teams, and this is what's going to be interesting now. The teams such as West Virginia and Oklahoma make a great statement for why, despite their Big 12 record, they should be included in the NCAA tournament field. This could really pay off for the conference at season's end. I totally agree. I'm interested to see how many teams from the Big 12 make the NCAA tournament. I'd argue it should be nine, yep. maybe ten. I would agree. I'd go with 11, but we'd have to invite someone in to do that. Now, a quick look at our poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. All right, well, last week's question was, we are a third of the way through the Big 12 play and the title race is close. Will any team win the league outright? Yes was 45%, no was 55%. I probably lean at 55%. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's really telling. I mean, it's just such a chaotic conference, and we kind of spin off of that topic into this week's question, which is, if neither Kansas nor Kansas State wins the Big 12, who will? And there's the other four teams that are comprising the top six with KU and K-State. Baylor, Iowa State, TCU, and Texas are your choices. That's A through D, if you're reading at home. Uh, vote on your Twitter, our Twitter page at the Drive 13 all right, well, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on The Drive. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to The Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com. 
Welcome back as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. This segment of the two-minute drill is sponsored by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Well, the second edition of the Sunflower Showdown is already here. So, Michael, Kansas State won the first game. So what does KU have to do differently this time to protect its home court? Well, I think there's a few things that KU can improve on, and some of it might even be outside of KU's control. I think the officials need to let these two teams play. I think that first game that we saw in Manhattan was a bit of a foul fest for both teams, where ends up being players fouling out, struggling with foul trouble. Let them play. This is a physical league. It's a rivalry game. Let it be physical. Don't let it get over the top, but there's a certain fine margin where you can let these guys play and not have it be a foul fest where KU finishes the game with three starters on the bench. Now, as for things KU can control, Keontae Johnson cannot go off. You have to do a better job against him. You can't let him get free for a lob at game point. And I think Jalen Wilson will take that upon himself to be better this time around. I think Kevin McCullough will also take it upon himself to be better this time around, especially considering the fact that McCullough is coming off of a pretty good defensive game against Kentucky. So I think overall for this team, defensively, they're going to have to play better. Offensively, I think you look at the output. You know, KJ Adams played pretty well in the first game. Obviously, Jalen Wilson was really good. I look at Dewan Harris and Grady Dick being the two guys that maybe weren't great in the first game. I thought Grady did a good job of at least getting to the rim, but Marquise Noel did a great job against Grady Dick. Face guarding him, he was really agile, and I think this is something that we asked Grady Dick about after, which he said, you know, it's a challenge where he's used to going against 6'5 guys, and all of a sudden he's got someone Marquise Noel's height guarding him, and it's an adjustment. So can he adjust to that? I look at Dewan Harris. He really struggled shooting the ball in that game. Can he not turn the ball over uncharacteristically like he did down the stretch of that game as well? Obviously worth noting he did have a, a pretty hard fall in that game, but I think overall this is a game that Kansas, if they can control they can control, this is a game they can win. I think they will end up winning. Obviously we get to the picks in a minute, but I think overall they just have to play more crisp and more disciplined than I think they did in Manhattan last time around. It's interesting about those highlights we just showed, uh, and this is useless on the podcast version, but everything I thought was a foul wasn't called, and the things I didn't think were a foul oh, yeah. were called. I mean, literally, in that small snippet of highlights, I was like, what are these refs doing? I can't figure this out. It, it feels like that every game fits, where the things that you think are fouls aren't, and the ones that aren't are. Yeah, but it's just very strange. Super. Well, I digress. Now, Fitz, let's return the tables here. K-State won two weeks ago in Bramlage Coliseum, but Allen Fieldhouse is a completely different monster. How can Kansas State win in Lawrence and get the double over KU? Well, starting with Allen Fieldhouse, you got to manage your nerves. Manage the fact that the crowd can climb up your back and just get all over you and handle that. Marquise Noel has to be better than he was in game one um, between these teams. He's got to really kind of create some things, but KU did a good job. Now, Keontae Johnson has really gotten in the habit of over-penetrating since that last KU game. He had so much success going to the rim against Kansas, he's trying to do it against everyone, and everyone's kind of adjusted their defense to compensate, reach in, give a lot of help, and Keontae hasn't adjusted to that. He's got to get back to being a pull-up jump shooter, a three-point shooter, so that the defense can't just sag back and wait for him to try to drive the ball. But I think the biggest change for K-State in this game is not something that they need to improve on. It's the fact they get David Gasson back for this game. He didn't play against Kansas. He played just a few minutes against Texas Tech and then didn't play against Iowa State as he's tried to heal up that ankle, which might have gotten a little bit aggravated, but he did return to the starting lineup against Florida. 
And even though it's not always reflected in the stats, he just brings so much to K-State that the other guys just haven't. He's their best post defender, despite being real thin. He really knows how to position his body. He doesn't have to require help from other defenders as often breaking down the defense. But he also scores pretty easily around the rim. He was 4-5 against Florida as he catches the ball extremely well, which is important when he's running at the rim. But also, you add in the fact that if, Michael, they want to call the game like they did the first time around, it gives them another big body to run through there mm. uh, because that's just a shortage that Kansas has. So having another big body out there that can continue the rotation, keep fresh people out there with K.J. Adams and try to play this game at maybe a faster pace than they did, that's going to be very interesting. But I know this, Bill Self will have his team extremely ready for this game. So K-State, which I didn't think played all that well in the first game, which is a compliment about how good this K-State team is, they're going to have to play better. And if they play at a really high level, Michael, they're, they're really tough to beat by anyone. So it's going to be a very interesting game. What I hate about this, though, buddy, is this was just two weeks ago. I know. I, two weeks ago. I they, I don't understand the Big 12 schedules at all because maybe KU came out of their slump against Kentucky, but if they haven't, that's just not fair to one team to have to play. You know, you change, you evolve over the season, and you're playing these two critical games within the same window is kind of disadvantage to one team. Yeah, well, get this, Fitz. KU's going to play K-State two times before right. they even play Texas. Right. It makes no sense. But with K-State, I think about home and road games – the peripheral players, right? You've got your stars, but those other role players, they tend to play better at home. And in the first game, those players played really, really well and were the reason K-State won. Can they translate that to the road? That's a big matchup for me that I'll be watching. Yeah, absolutely. And now we step out of bounds. And Out of Bounds is brought to you by Dara's Corner Market. We love local and we are local for you. All right, well, the Big 12 SEC Challenge is no more. Starting next year, the SEC will have a series with the ACC. So, Fitz, what should the Big 12 do now? Well, I know what you're going to say because you told me that. It's not that I'm really perceptive. You told me what you're going to say. But I'll say this. If they do another series, don't make it in the middle of the conference season. Jerome Tang talked about it. You mentioned Bill Self saying that some coaches were talking about resting players. If this conference is going to be this competitive – don't take a break from it where you might get a player injured or you got wear and tear on your players and you got to go back. You know, you look at it from the angle of Kansas. They, they had to throw in a road game in the middle of their conference schedule and, and, you know, half the teams go on the road and it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, the SEC benefited from this challenge a lot more than the Big 12. I think that's exactly what ESPN wanted to kind of build up that brand. And now that they have, they're going to move it over to play the ACC. But there is an easy solution here, and it probably involves a series on Fox, not on ESPN. And that would be... The Big 10. Yeah. That'd be pretty fun. Think about some of those Big 10 programs matching up with the new Big 12. And think about this, Fitz. You're adding Houston to the mix as well. Think about the marquee matchups you can create with the Houston program under Kelvin Sampson that is playing at a high level. Think about Houston, Michigan State, or Houston, Michigan. I think there's some really fun matchups you can do with the Big 10. And I think personally, I think Illinois, Kansas would be a lot of fun while Bill Self is still in Lawrence. And maybe Illinois, Kansas State. There's a certain coach there. That that too. Might be kind of interesting. Now let's hear from the fans. And our fan question is sponsored by Metalark. Retirement awaits in Manhattan where you can live your way every day. Our fan 
question this week is this. Is KU's Jalen Wilson a virtual lock to win the Big 12 Player of the Year award? That is from Richard in Topeka. Wow, I think it's a really good question. I would lean yes based on the last two weeks, and we covered the stat for Wilson earlier, how he's entered kind of a rare air here. But he's averaging 21.4 points per game this season. He's still averaging 20 points per game in conference play, and his efficiency has really improved as of late. If he can continue to play at this level with efficiency, I think it's a no doubt he will be the Big 12 Player of the Year, which also means jersey retirement. And I think that's a huge momentous thing for a player who has gone through so much during his time in Lawrence. He's definitely special. I guess Marquise Noel has a pretty good argument there. Definitely. Boy, when you talk about most valuable player, if that's what it is, I don't know where KU'd be without him. And let's be honest, K-State's won games with Marquise Noel not playing as well as you expect. Yeah, well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. When we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Welcome back to The Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com. It's time to head down the home stretch of this week's show. Now let's take a look at our predictions. And predictions are brought to you by Kites and Kites Aggieville Draft House, meeting your friends at Kites and the Draft House since 1954. And remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. Here are last week's results. A little bit of equality for everyone. All getting along with two and one records. Although Michael's still in last. Ah. I just had to put that in there. Here's this week's picks. And we start with the game on Tuesday. Get your picks on Twitter in early. Kansas State at Kansas. We put KU down as a four-and-a-half-point favorite, the Allen Fieldhouse effect. I will take K-State. I don't know if they win, but I think this is going to come down to the wire. I think it will. This is a game to me that is one possession throughout the game, but I think some free throws at the end might make this a five- to six-point advantage for Kansas. And next is Texas at K-State. I have no clue what to make of Texas. They are the most hot and cold team in the Big 12. They make no sense. I think we're going to get a hot Texas team in Manhattan. Give me Texas. Well, that's interesting. We've got K-State as a a point-and-a-half favorite. And remember, this was the game in Austin where K-State scored 116. Both teams went over 100. They went full NBA. Um, and uh, both offenses were great. Defense kind of stunk. Uh, I'll take K-State. I think Texas's style plays right into K-State's hand. And here's our last game of the week is Kansas at Iowa State. We just said it was a pick because this is going to be a great one. I'm going to go with Hilton Magic. I think Caleb Grill's injury looms large here. Uh, I'll take Kansas. I think they're going to get the crucial road win. It amazes me how much better Iowa State is at home than other places, but we will see if they're good enough to beat KU. Again, make your picks on our Twitter page, at the Drive 13 I've run out of words. Now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock, sponsored by Carpet One. Buy local for a strong local community, and we start off with Michael Swain. Every once in a while, there are moments in a basketball season when I think KU fans realize just how good their coach is. And I think Saturday was one of those. You see a Bill Self team take a John Calipari team to school with its game plan. And there were no adjustments from Coach Cal's side of things throughout the course of the game. What KU did to exploit Kentucky early in the game was the same stuff they did down the stretch. Bill Self is not the type of coach that would let that happen. There are adjustments throughout the course of a game. And I think Saturday is one of those occasions where you realize this is why Self is a Hall of Famer and considered one of the best in-game coaches in all of college basketball. Well, it was interesting at the end of the game with Florida, 
There's a little minor dust-up between Florida coach Todd Golden and Jerome Tang, who got a little fiery with the opposing coach because Florida, down 20, decided they wanted to press and foul and try to really extend the game and and turn it a little chaotic, trying to steal the ball from walk-ons and that kind of nonsense. And Jerome Tang just simply said, hey, if you're going to do that, we're going to try to score. Uh, No big deal, but I like the attitude from Jerome Tang. Doesn't take it off of other coaches. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.